Hi, my name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. So I am so excited to be joined today by Stu Maidman from the Lawn Tennis Association. Hello, Stu. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. So Stu's joined me today to talk about his job role within the LTA, which is um, delivering the opportunity for coaches to work in park settings. Is that right, Stu? Yes, so my, my role is Parks Tennis Manager and I essentially try and provide opportunities for both local authorities to run tennis in parks and then um, coaches to link in with their local authorities and also to run coaching sessions in parks. So overall we're looking for a, a park venue to provide opportunities on a pay and play basis um, or maybe a cheap season ticket which is a bit like membership um, basis and also some coaching opportunities as well. So this is to make tennis a lot more accessible rather than just having to join a tennis club? Yeah, so most people have the kind of misconception that, um, or misperception that, that, that tennis is played mainly um, in clubs. The majority of people that play at least once a year do so in a park, actually. So whilst clubs tend to attract the players that play more regularly, parks tend to attract way more people that play less frequently or play only, only during the summer. Oh, wow. And so... One of the things that you would be really focused on is trying to get more children into tennis, is that right? Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in parks, we tend to offer tennis opportunities to the really kind of wide part of the funnel, so cutting across all different demographics and backgrounds and um, people that maybe you wouldn't naturally think would, would want to play tennis. So yeah, we, we tend to offer, offer tennis to, to everyone, we hope. That's amazing. And what kind of... What kind of things do you think children get out of playing tennis? I mean, absolutely everything. Learning to, to win and to lose, learning how to kind of be disciplined, fitness, hand-eye coordination. You know, some kids might get a real love of the game and want to, to carry on playing um, for, for much longer. Um, so, yeah, so, so many things that, you know, any sport provides that. But, but tennis, and actually tennis has just been proven to be one of the, the best sports to live a longer life. I think there was a bit of research done. I think it was Coventry University. Um, and I might be wrong there, did, did some research and it's, it's one of the best sports to play into your old age, it helps to prolong your life. That's amazing, uh, I'm going to have to look that one up. I might, I might be incorrect with the commentary <laughs> bit, but there was definitely some research maybe two or three years ago. Where, where it wouldn't is. surprise me though, because yeah. the cardio fitness of tennis is quite intense, isn't yeah. it? Like you do have to be on the move around the court yeah. and then be quite strong to get the power into the racket to propel yeah. the ball so yeah. it's a good combination yeah and it's not when you get to an older age it can be a bit softer on the joints it's not too demanding when you get a bit older and a bit slower which is how I feel now um, <laughs> but, but yeah it, it can be great to play from you know age two or three right the way through to 102 and so what are some of the challenges that you found in your job at the moment to kind of getting the courts back open after covid I know that tennis was one of the first sports to come back mm. in, after the lockdowns last year 
how's it all been going? Yeah, I mean, we, we had some some big challenges, obviously, when when tennis was not able to be played, the same as, as every sport. But then, yeah, we, it almost got turned into an opportunity for us because we were one of the only sports available to play. Um, and I think around this time last year, we actually saw a, a massive increase in the number of bookings that we had on our park courts in comparison to 2019 because the um, you know everyone had to book courts, everyone had to, to play um, only tennis or I think golf was allowed as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually saw a really sharp increase in number of court hours booked and number of different people playing. And so with this kind of increasing interest in tennis, have you found that more children are starting to get involved? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, we it's not something that I particularly track in, in my role now, but I know working with other directorates at the LTA, definitely we are helping to get more children involved through um, various different products that we offer, like LTA Youth Start and LTA Youth, that's our kind of junior coaching product that we use. Um, so yeah, we, we are definitely helping to get more kids onto court and, and being fit and active and enjoying the great weather. And that would be something that you could find at one of these park courts. You don't have to go to a club for that. No, you can definitely offer those those products at park courts as well. Um, obviously, you can offer them in, in clubs and leisure centres and, and, and some, some school education sites as well. Um, but yeah, also in parks. Amazing. So when you're looking at this sort of wide end of the funnel and you're getting as many children into tennis as possible at that grassroots level, what ultimately can some of the routes that those children go down eventually will they become club players will they go on to being um sort of selected for talent and guided into different routes absolutely there's no limit to, to where, where a child can go um so from my work at, in one of the parks in birmingham we have several children that now play on a performance program at a club in birmingham um, because they progressed to a level where they wanted to move on and play a bit more seriously and play with other children of a, a certain ability level. So they kind of left the parks program to play more regularly, which if we think what we said earlier on, the more regular players tend to do so in a club environment. Yeah. And the players that maybe are trying um, tennis out or kind of new to the sport, they might do so in a park. That's not to say that everyone that wants to play more regularly will leave. We had players who I would see at the parks, you know, four times a week, five times a week, and they never left. They're probably still playing there now. Um, lots of people tend to feel that park sites kind of are for them. Um, you know, they, they feel like they suit a park site and that there's, there's something about clubs that doesn't sit too well with them. So they choose to play in, in parks. Um, so there's, there's no set guideline or set path. Um, everything that you, you have in a club you could have in a park and, and probably vice versa yeah especially the gin and tonics afterwards <laughs> not, not quite so often in parks and definitely not with the children <laughs> yeah, well hopefully not no I mean parks tend to not have bars or not have clubhouses yeah. so any socialising that tends to happen with park tennis players may have to be off site yeah like move, or... move to a different location yes. afterwards but you get that camaraderie yes. still if you're yeah. You're playing in a group and you see yeah. the same people there all the time yeah, you definitely can. develop relationships with them so i know that um we were gonna have a little brief chat about encouraging children into tennis and encouraging children in maybe in sport in general and with your 20 years of coaching experience <laughs> old. it makes you sound older than you are though yeah. bearing in mind that you did start when you were 16 yes so that's worth a mention yeah um are there any kind of tips or tricks that if you had a child who you were thinking could they get into tennis, how would you go about kind of broaching it with them and encouraging them into the sport? 
Yes, yeah, so I mean, if we're looking at beginners or children of a young age, um, or even adults that are beginners as well, it's just got to be fun. You know, the only reason that a kid wants to do something is to play, is for fun. I, I pretty much refuse to believe that any child aged five turns out from nowhere, kind of completely without any, any tennis background, and just says, I'm going to be a pro tennis player. Mm. Um, that might be something they decide they want to do after they've played some tennis. Um, but I don't think many children would, would, would come out and say that. So I think it just has to be fun. If sport isn't fun, um, the kids aren't going to want to do it. And I think that applies to probably a much higher level than most people think. I think most people think as soon as their kid can hit tennis ball and play in tournaments, or oh, it needs to start being a bit more serious now and, and we need to start having more lessons and more coaching and pay more money for, for different squads or individual lessons. And, uh, and perhaps actually the kid just wants to play because it's fun. And you tend to see, this is not just tennis um, specific, you tend to see a lot of children dropping out at that age when they kind of develop their own voice. So maybe early teens. Yeah. Because all of a sudden they have the ability to almost stand up for what they actually want. And if it's not fun, if, if the environment isn't fun for the, the child to play in, um, that they're not going to want to do it. And maybe the absolute opposite of fun is adding the pressure of mm. extra training, extra coaches, yeah. and making it all a lot more serious at an early age. Yeah, I mean, a, a good kind of outlet here is I taught a girl that was, or that is considered to be quite a good player. I think she got selected for, um, for kind of regional training by our LTA performance team a few years ago. Um, and her dad said to me, look, Stu, you, know, you, you are a good coach, you know what you're doing, it, it's great, but the main reason that this girl wants to come and have lessons with you is because you're fun. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we, we just had a bit of a laugh, and, and obviously I was trying to teach her as well, but I was always very mindful that I knew that that girl, who started with me when she was about five and carried on until she was about ten um, with, with me, and then she left for the performance programme, um, I was very mindful of the fact that, that he wanted his daughter to have fun, and that's, that's why we were there. Yeah, and if that's the main driver, then they're going to stick with it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, you know, kids want to win, but for some kids, winning is fun. And for some kids who, you know, maybe kind of really emotionally developed, sometimes they can look past winning and, and think that learning is fun. But I think there has to be that fun element, whether it's in coaching or whether it's in matches or competitions. And there's so many things that you can get wrong to make it not fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost hard to make sure it is fun, if that makes sense. It, it sounds weird. This sport that we all took up because it was a good laugh, we, we almost have, it, it's almost hard to keep that sport fun anymore. Yeah, I know I see that with patients in clinic. If you kind of talk into somebody in a first appointment and you say, what do you do for exercise? And they say, oh, well, I don't really enjoy exercise, so I don't really do it. Mm. And I kind of really believe that there is a type of exercise out there for everyone, whether that's yeah. swimming or going to a Zumba class. And maybe you have to couple it with something else that you find enjoyable, like playing a team sport or playing an individual sport like tennis, but where you're with other people. Um you're never going to pursue something for a long period of time consistently if you don't enjoy it Mm. and that can be sport or it can be eating broccoli (laughs) yeah I completely agree I I think I would always say that I like having competition so Mm. whilst I do go running and try and do some things for fitness uh, I I do enjoy it I much prefer doing something where there's a competition so whether that's having a game of tennis playing squash playing golf Whatever it is, I prefer when there is an element of competition. Yeah. Um, but that, that's obviously specific to me, and some people might be the complete opposite. They might get really turned off by competition, but they might really enjoy um, just going for a walk or going for a run on their own, or, yeah. or even playing a sport, but without playing matches. 
yeah, that you can just go, you can go down to the park, you can pay to play, you can hit the ball backwards and forwards with your pal while you have a chat and a catch up, yeah. and there doesn't have to be the pressure of a competition. Oh, absolutely. I mean, tennis, tennis really is for everyone, and that's one of the unique things about it. You can have a, you can play tennis without necessarily playing a match. You can just go and hit balls up and down the middle. You can go and play tennis balls cross court. You can, yeah, you can do all the different shots in all the different positions that you might see the pros doing on TV. But you don't have to keep score. If you want to go and play tennis just for fun, you can. And one of the products that the LCA has is a cardio tennis product where it is a coach-led session and the coach puts on music and essentially is just a fitness program or a fitness exercise that is just for tennis. So you kind of, you run around and you hit tennis balls, but no one cares whether the tennis ball goes in or out or over the fence. It's all about burning calories, doing steps, having fun, um, maybe socializing with the other people in the group as well. But it is more like a, a gym class on a tennis court and they prove to be really popular. I bet they've been really, really popular since you've been able to exercise in a group outside, but kind of before yeah. you can do that inside. Yeah, definitely. Wild, that's yeah, great. That, they that come up with everything, tennis. don't yeah. they? <laughs> it's been out for years, cardio tennis, and it, it's kind of quite a long-lasting, proven concept. And yeah, when I was coaching, we had lots and lots of people taking part in those sessions. I think it might have a new name now, but um, yeah, lots of people take part in those, those sessions every week. And so talking about sort of competition and sportsmanship and these being lessons that children can take from tennis is competition a factor in parents kind of making tennis maybe less fun in tournaments for children that they get more competitive than they need to be um they definitely can and i'm going to say they and i'm not not include myself but um <laughs> i probably can include myself in this so my my youngest plays tennis to kind of an okay level um and as, you know, as a result of watching her in tournaments, and I used to referee tournaments as well, so I used to referee tournaments with several hundreds of players that would come each week and play, and you do get to see the best of behaviours and the worst of behaviours. Um, in my opinion, the, the best kind of parent watching, whether it's tennis or football or anything else, is a parent that's kind of right on the periphery. I think my mum, for example, was superb at this. She would be at every single tennis match that I was ever playing, up to a certain age, maybe kind of 14, 13, 14, um, and she'd always watch, she'd always know whether I'd won or lost, but she'd be sitting far enough away so that no one would really know which court she was watching. And she'd also always be doing her marking because she was a teacher. So she'd do marking, marking whilst watching me. There was never any pressure on me from my, my mum or dad. Um, like I say, sometimes people didn't know who, who they were watching because they were quite a long way away. And I think that is the best way to be as a, a sports parent. You, then you get the other side of it where parents are kind of standing with their hands on the fence and their face right next to the fence and there's so much pressure whether you whether the parent realizes it or not there's so much pressure on both their child and probably the opponent as well yeah from having somebody so intensely watching that match that, that the child isn't going to enjoy it and that's one of the many things that parents probably don't realize that they're doing to add yeah. pressure and reduce fun because they um, probably think, oh, you know, I'm watching them. I'm being passive because I'm just watching. Mm. I'm not being active. I'm not shouting things out necessarily. Or maybe they are. <laughs> In some cases, they definitely are. I know my brother played rugby growing up. And I mean, sometimes the yeah. matches have devolved to yeah. parents almost getting into fisticuffs on yeah. the sideline. They get yeah, really yeah. impassioned over what's yeah, happening yeah. on the pitch yeah, or definitely. the court. But... um. Yeah, I think that even if it's just subconscious, your children are going to know if you're watching them. They're going to know what you think. Yeah. I mean, mm. the, the best thing I can kind of really say to parents is almost know your role. Your role is parent. Your role isn't coach. 
Yeah. And so my, my youngest daughter also plays netball to kind of quite a decent level. I, I believe that playing lots of sports is good. So she plays kind of hockey, tennis and netball to kind of quite an okay-ish level. Um, and I, I must admit, when I'm at a hockey, to- a hockey um, match or a tennis, a tennis match or even a, a netball match, I'm the quietest parent there to the point where I don't even think I encourage that much. I, I should probably encourage more because I don't want to be that parent that's shouting the whole time, uh, especially at, say, hockey. There are some parents that are kind of barking the whole time into their kid's ear. And I'm like, that's not our job. That's the coach's job. So if my child is trying to play the sport, so they're trying to concentrate on the technique that they've learned and the tactics that they've learned, and they're trying to listen out for their coach, then you've got me being an idiot parent shouting at them as well. It's just too much. They can't. They can't do all of that. Well, and there's and definitely what, not room there to have no, fun, is there? And what if my advice differs from the coach's advice? Who's the kid going to listen to? Um, wow. you know, so I really think that parents need to kind of know their role. Our role is to make sure that that, that sport, whether it's winning or losing or you know, practice, is as fun as possible. And I kind of think one of the other kind of things we get quite often in sport is parents ruining the sport by the car journey on the way home. Oh, so many again the sort of post-match analysis yeah there's some stat about um why american college players quit sport or high school players quit sport and one of the most mentioned um reasons is the car journey home because their mum or dad is just in their ear the whole way home saying what they did right what they did wrong in my opinion the parents job is to kind of make it fun so you might want to ask your child what they think about the match and then just shut up and listen um you might want to completely avoid it, depending on whether your kid wants to talk about it or not. But genuinely, your job as a parent, I think, is to make it as fun as possible. And if that means shutting up and getting a McDonald's on the way home, then do it. Ooh. Because if that makes it fun <laughs> for the kid, if that yeah. means your kid wants to carry on playing, why wouldn't you do yeah. that? And maybe Apart that's... from maybe a health thing. But... Yeah, yeah, maybe there's another conversation about saturated fats. <laughs> Possibly, but yeah. I'm not, but... not too worried about those yet. Yeah, no, maybe then the most important question that they can ask a child after they've played a match isn't how do you think it, you went or what did you think about that serve or that hit or that point? Is it then did you have fun? It should be. That, uh, and it should be that uh, that should even be the, the last thing you say before they go on court is have fun. Okay, and this, this sounds really stupid and this might be a bit snowflakey. I've, <laughs> I read something a while ago. We shouldn't even say good luck because that's kind of implying that your kid needs luck to win. <laughs> um, whether that's a yeah. bit snowflakey or not, I've not thought about that one deep enough to have an opinion. But, well, but, that's, so you've got to really unpick your own child's psyche yeah, on that one, haven't possibly. you? But, but yeah, have, have fun. And, and the first question off court should be, did you have fun, not did you win? Um, and then possibly another thing I think I do is, is say, what do you think you might have learned? So rather than focusing on the outcome, the win or the loss, you want to be looking at, has there been any progress? Yeah, and I've got to say... Um, Stu's daughter Isla is probably one of the most articulate children that I've met for yeah. her age because she is she can she can tell you what she thinks about something and she can tell you what she feels and it's probably because she never shuts up yeah that, she's very very, very <laughs> practiced at speaking but she she knows her own mind and she's yeah. I think really good um I mean how old is she now nine. eight nine yeah. yeah, that she she is more articulate than other children of her age. And I think that's probably from the way that you communicate with her. Yeah, and having a big sister who's 18 as well helps. She's helps. almost got three adults looking after her rather than <laughs> two adults and 
another child. So she's almost kind of, she's probably a bit older for her age mentally than other kids just because she's grown up in a more adult environment, yeah. I suppose. And about having conversations with children, if you are a parent who's got a child who is already playing sport, maybe they have got to that kind of preteen age where they they maybe they aren't finding it quite so fun and they haven't got the longing to go to practice or to the matches every week what would what kind of conversations would you encourage parents to have with their children to try and encourage children who want to leave sport to stay in it a really tough one um and and i really don't know the answer on this one i I can't pretend to know the answers and be some kind of expert because i definitely don't but i think Again, like I said earlier, I'm quite keen for all children to play almost as many sports as they can, even if they're kind of, even if the parent wants their child to specialise in one sport. I think playing lots of sports to the best level you can for as long as you can until you really, really need to kind of give the other sports up to concentrate on one sport. If you're going to be a kind of performance athlete, performance being kind of high performance, um, high performance athlete, that's where I kind of go. But how to not let them quit? I always think your actions are better than your words there and the examples that you've set to your child as they've been growing up are probably more important than what you can say and the environment that you create for your child is probably more important as well. Mm. I'm quite a big believer in that, I said earlier, parents need to know their role and be a parent. That doesn't mean that you can't create an environment that lets your kid learn. You're not the coach, but you're definitely the, the, kind of the, the environment setter at home yeah. Um, and you can get your child into kind of a mindset that lets them learn um, or enables them to learn more than if they're kind of quite closed off. So how you set that environment at home um, is probably quite important. And actually, if your kid wants to quit, it could be, it, definitely not a definite, but it could be because the environment you're creating isn't nice. It could be that you're creating too much pressure by, by asking about the win and the loss and by kind of constantly talking about that that sport when the kid doesn't really want to yeah and maybe it's time then to open the door on another sport for them but do it with kind of like just the mentality of fun yeah it it really could be or it it could be to try and change how you perceive or almost change what the parents goals might be and make sure the parents goals are actually the parents shouldn't really have goals it should be the kid Mm. if the kid wants to play to an international level great try and help them try and create an environment that lets them to do that but if your kid wants to play for fun because you see these mate Billy down there twice a week, there's nothing wrong with that. But the parents are going to probably have a, a hard time accepting that the kids' goals are different to the parents' goals. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the take home really, isn't it? Is that whenever children are in sport, it's about the children being yeah. in sport. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to just, it's what they want to do. And no matter how hard you push it, that you know you can have lessons for your kid you know five times a week and they might be the best age under 10 but if their heart isn't really in it they're going to stop learning as much when they get older as someone that really is invested in it so yeah. therefore i kind of think you've got to let the kids make their own choices yeah and that's i think that's quite hard as parents to let their kids make their own choices because we thought they're making a mistake um but yeah but you're coming at it with like um a lot more experience and kind of looking back at your maybe at your own childhood and thinking oh if I'd only pursued that more if I'd only you know stuck with that where would I be now would I still be doing tennis as mm. a 40 year old <laughs> 40 yeah thank you um, other people <laughs> I mean my, I suppose my experience there is actually 
I stopped playing or stopped trying, should I say, I've always played, but I stopped trying to be the best I could when I started coaching, which was quite young, kind of well, 16. I mean, mm. I, I was never going to be anything more than I am now, really kind of a, a county tennis player. Um, and I'm not, I was never going to be a pro or, or do any kind of any serious inroads into any kind of profession as a, a professional player. I just wasn't good enough. Um, I'm not like I make excuses there, but I almost wish I'd kind of, I wish I'd carried on trying for longer, but yeah. I, I didn't want to at the time. I just, I, I wanted to go out with my friends more. I wanted to not play tennis as much. And yeah. I, I suppose it must've been you know, just as tough for my parents to accept that. And I suppose my tennis became more social, you know, instead of playing in a, a performance environment, I was playing in a club environment where we had a couple of beers after the match. And um, obviously when I was 18, not 16, um, <laughs> but, but we'd have a couple of beers and, and it was more of a fun environment rather yeah. than a, um, rather than a, I've got to be a professional tennis player. But that being said, keeping the fun in tennis for you meant going into coaching and ultimately has driven a, an amazing career in tennis where you're now part of the yeah. kind of primary yeah, singular foremost tennis associations yeah. in yeah. the world well yeah <laughs> I mean, you know the lca is one of if not the best you know governing body uh, around um you know we, we do so many things that other sports haven't been able to do um i mean the park program on yeah. its own is incredible yeah we, we, we do yeah we, we, we're kind of reaching quite a lot of parks we have a list of uh, approximately a thousand parks that we want to try and implement or, or uh, install a gate access system at which means that, that the parks are then sustainable because the gate access system allows access to people that are booked and if the local authority wants to have a charge to play on those courts they, they kind of you take the payment online for that and that means the courts are sustainable which means that those tennis courts will be around in 25 30 years time whereas if we haven't got those gate systems and there's no charge implemented uh, sooner or later the council will not have the money to resurface and refurbish mm. those courts and they, they won't be there anymore and so if people want to find park tennis to play themselves where can they find the lists of of parks where they can play so the best site for that is lta rally um, so lta rally is an aggregator which kind of brings together all of the pay and play court opportunities whether that's at a club or at a park in your local area so it's based on a postcode search um, and you can just literally search search for your postcode find your court book it pay for it online and go and play and can you find the park coaches on that website as yeah. well Stu? yeah there's also coaching on that lta rally uh, site so that's any adult coaching sessions um, that are available uh, on a pay and play basis or a, a, um, a non-membership basis yeah they're on there too that's amazing so it turns out that access to playing tennis and getting coaching for tennis might be easier than you think and even playing competition there's something called local tennis leagues so you can if you don't have anyone to play against you can meet new people of a similar standard um, play in organized matches against them and then obviously you'll have their contact details so if you want to kind of become friends and arrange to practice with them you can do that too amazing thank you so much for sharing all your amazing knowledge with me today Stuart. no problem it's been fun thank you Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands. <laughs>